so we just touched there on uh, data breaches in some ways there, Paul. Do you think with the GDPR now well in force that it's made organisations less likely to have a data breach? Or are, we, are we safer because of it? What do you think? That's a great question. Um, are, <laughs> are we safer because of it? I, I think for some organisations, yes. Uh, you know, and I, and I find the whole argument about regulation quite interesting. Um, and I think I, I always try and run a parallel with health and safety. Uh, you know, I think we, we've, we've often all heard that phrase, oh, it's health and safety gone yeah. bad. But part of the reason I, I think that we had health and safety regulation was because, one, to stop people being stupid and doing things that they shouldn't, uh, but, you know, saving them from themselves almost. Right. You know, if you're going to go to the top of some scaffolding, don't be hanging off that scaffolding, juggling at the same time. <laughs> but people might do that. But the other thing was that to stop organisations potentially putting their staff at risk by saying, well, if you want to get paid this week, go and juggle at the top of the scaffolding, you know, that, that kind of thing. So health and safety regulation stopped a lot of that, that, that kind of um, abuse, maybe too strong a word, but certainly stopped that kind of misuse of, Compliance, misuse yeah. of power. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think with data security, the idea that we should all look after our data, you know, data security is not new. And we've all looked at things and thought, well, yeah, we should look after how we use our data and we should be careful with how we use it. And if we're going to entrust that data to somebody else, we assume they're going to look after it equally. But of course, the reality is that that's not what happened. So companies didn't do that. So, so regulation has been brought around to enforce the proper care and use and security of our, you know, ultimately of our information, of mine and your information, regardless of where it's held. Are all companies following that? I think we've seen instances where companies are still not following that. Um, but, but maybe to go back to your point, I think mm. what it has done is it has brought data security up to a board level. I think there's a much wider understanding acceptance in some organizations of why data security is important, why it's important to allow IT to, to enforce policies, why it's important to understand that the, 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 the security, the compliance, the governance of our data is not an IT problem. It has to be seen as a much wider business challenge. Yeah. And I think all of those things, we are absolutely seeing that. And I think we have seen uh, we, well, we talked earlier on, before before we recorded, about one of the things that we'd seen maybe two years prior to GDPR was mm. an increasing interest in people understanding how their data was used, how it operated, how much data they had, whether anybody was even accessing it, they were storing all of this stuff. But it was a, a kind of an out-of-interest thing. And mm. I think what we mm. saw when uh, regulation became enforced, of course, it's not just GDPR, but regulation, GDPR and regulation similar to it, once we saw that started being introduced, this became a topic that moved right up the list of priorities. Suddenly became something far more important and something that at a board level, people were asking questions about how are we utilising our data? So, so I think on the whole, mm. um, and, and certainly not in every case, but I think on the whole, we've seen organisations take the way they use data more seriously, yeah. um, taking the security of their data more seriously, looking at how they manage it, how much data they hold, why they hold some of that data at all. Um, because I think a, a, an interestingly a, a coincidental to that has been as we've seen people start to take more services, you know, take, take you know, software as a service or storage as a service perhaps. Because one of the things that I think we, we'd always seen in the way that people manage data, and it's mm. not necessarily security related, but that people would just buy a storage array and, you know, would, would put the finger in the air and guess how big that storage array should be, and then let it run for five years until it was time to refresh it. Yeah. But what would happen in that time is that the business, when they first bought one, there would be lots of business to and fro, eventually going up to the board level saying, I need X thousands of pounds to spend on the storage array. Yeah. And that would be painful. Eventually somebody would grudgingly give the money to IT, IT would do their bit, and then nobody would think about it. 
And then five years later, IT go back and say, I need a new storage array now. It's going to need to be bigger because we've wrote more data to it. Um, so I need some more money. And then again, there'd be to and froing and there'd be uh, bitterness of, you know, we, well, we, don't, we don't really want to spend that money. Oh, what do you mean we have to? And then again, the problem would go away until the next refresh cycle. Really? What we've seen is people have started to move to things as a service, you know, whether that's public cloud or whether that's from a service provider, that problem becomes a problem every month. So somebody's seeing that bill every month because yeah. now I'm paying per gig per month or per terabyte per month. And now the business is seeing that all the time. So what that has made people to start to do is to look at, well, why have I got all this data? Because not only am I paying to hold that, I'm often paying to back it up, I'm right. paying to archive it. And so it is driving a much more data-centric conversation. Uh, you know, and things like security and compliance and governance and control are all part of that. Yeah. But as is, I've got this data, does anybody ever look at it? Absolutely. And if they don't, why am I holding it at all? Mm -hmm. you know, and, and one adage that I'm, I'm quite a fan of is the idea that if I don't have the data, I can't lose it. So if I've got data there that I shouldn't be holding at all from a security point of view, point. I shouldn't be holding that data at all, well, get rid of it then. Why right. have you still got it? Because once I've got rid of it, if, I, if there's no regulatory requirement for me to keep that data and nobody's ever accessing it, well, just delete it because then you're not going to lose it. Very good point. Very good point. That's interesting. So, um, okay, so the cloud. I'm going to bring things onto the cloud. So organisations are moving to the cloud. There's a slight hesitancy in doing so in some areas. Um, I think some uh, business leaders are sort of concerned about the security aspects of moving their infrastructure into the cloud. Um, so there's a, a bit of a two-pronged question for you, really, Paul. So what would be your advice to an organisation that's looking to move their infrastructure, certainly on the storage, into the cloud? Is it safe? And really, what does that also mean for the channel in terms of the IT security industry moving into the cloud? What's your take on that? Uh, they're two very different questions, yeah, so are. yeah, thanks. Um, they, they should be in two separate questions. They should be, seems, yeah. like, seems like you cheated. Um, <laughs> I, I, well, let's take, let's take them one at a time. I think that idea is, is it safe? I, I suppose it depends what you mean by safe. So I think, um, you know, the security of a, a public cloud provider's data infrastructure, I think is probably in excess of what most, you know, we talked before about, you know, if we forget large enterprise and look at that mid-market a little bit, you yeah. know, I think for, for a mid-market size company, the kind of data center, the kind of data infrastructure, storage infrastructure, at least, that you can build will not match the kind of infrastructure that you can build from a AWS, from an Azure, from a Google, you know, or, or any, any bunch of providers. So I think in terms of availability and resilience, absolutely. Mm. I think in terms of is it safe? Well, I think, yes, it's secure. As long as you do the bits that you need to, you make sure you keep holding security keys, that your accounts have access right. to that storage are fully secured. You know, we've, we've heard the stories of companies who've been breached in that way where they have lost the access to their, you know, the, the key account to their AWS subscription with you. and somebody's gone in and deleted their AWS tenant yes. with all of the data that goes with it. So, you know, making sure you're doing those things will will ensure security to, to a point. I think you have to ask questions around things like backup. I think that's still an interesting conversation that we have with people as they move to cloud service. Well, it's in the cloud now. Do I really need to protect my data? It's still your data. you know. And if we look at it, all of the major cloud providers have this kind of joint responsibility policy. And that joint responsibility policy talks about, as a cloud provider, we will ensure the availability of your service. Mm -hmm. However, what we're not going to do is worry about your data. So they kind of have an above the line, below the line attitude where below the line, we'll make sure all the infrastructure works and you can get access to it most of the time. Yeah. Above the line, the stuff you put on our infrastructure, that's all down to you. That's all on you. So if you lose that stuff, don't be coming crying to AWS that I've lost stuff and I don't know what to do about it. 
did you back it up? Did you protect it? Just because it's in the public cloud doesn't mean it's not still your responsibility. Absolutely. And the same goes for security. You know, understand from a compliance point of view, am I allowed to have my data somewhere where I don't necessarily know where it is? If I'm using multiple resilience zones in the cloud, are all of those resilience zones in the right place that allows me to fulfill my compliance and governance requirements? So, so I think as all those kind of things, I think that, all, I suppose actually if I was looking for a short answer to it, as long as you secure it as well as you secure it in your data center and you take the security of that information as seriously as you would in your data center, then yeah, absolutely secure. Good to know. So I think, in, I mean, in terms of how does that affect the channel, how does that affect the channel relationship? I think the channel relationship, particularly the channel relationship between ch channel partners and vendors mm. is beginning to change. Mm. I think, you know, for, for somebody who's a, a director of a, you know, a, of a, a channel reseller, of a, of a consultancy business, you know, we're, we're, we're a data consultancy business. Yes. I think for somebody who does that, our relationship with our customer hasn't changed. I think our, our conversations may have changed slightly. Yeah. The kind of advice that we might be giving them, the kind of technology trends they should be aware of, that doesn't change. You know, that we're, we're doing what we've always done in that space. Really? Mm. I think from a vendor's point of view, there's a couple of changes that I think we're starting to see. I think, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. I think one of those is a move to subscription modeling. I think as we yes. see in all, in all areas of our lives, don't we? I think we, you know, we, we see the way we consume entertainment, the way that we consume, heck, you're even seeing the way you consume food. You're subscribing to services where they That's are right. dropping boxes of food around with a bunch of menus in them so you don't have to think about this it. True, yeah. But, you know, we're subscribing to television. We're subscribing to our mobile phones. Music. We're subscribing to music, mm. exactly. You know, we, we live in a subscription economy and business has started to follow that. You know, mm. it's Office 365. I'm subscribing to that. Why would I give Microsoft loads of money for Office? Well, I'll just subscribe to a service. Mm. And we're, we're seeing that kind of shift. And actually for the traditional vendor, that's been more difficult. If they've had a model of I sell you a thing and it's a perpetual license thing and you buy, you know, renew your service and support on it yeah. every one, two or three years, you know, that's a big shift to say to a customer who says, well, actually, I just want to pay per, per unit per month for, for that kind of thing. So, so I think that's a shift. And I think you're also seeing that organizations starting to accept we have to have some kind of cloud story. That doesn't mean we have to have all our stuff in the cloud. Not everything we do has to be some kind of software as a service platform. Of course. But we need to understand cloud is a thing. You know, it was interesting as you were asking the question about public cloud. You know, I was going to go with the, what's that then? What does that do? Um, you know, <laughs> is, is that really going to, is it going to last? Is this not just a fad? But I think the reality yeah. is that you know, it, it is becoming increasingly strategic to the way businesses utilize IT. You know, I, I have this conversation a lot about tactical use of cloud. So this is not about taking all of your infrastructure and lifting and shifting it into the public cloud, but this is about looking at the things that are difficult for you to do on-prem. With you. And look at how cloud mm -hmm. is, look at the things that cloud is good at and that traditional on-prem approaches aren't good at and see whether I can tie the two together. So to take advantage of what cloud's good at, which is scale and flexibility and quick deployment and flexible commercial modeling, take a look at all of those kind of things. And that's quite hard to do on-prem mm, mm, or mm. utilize that where you need to. So, you know, something like archive storage gotcha. is a great example of this. Mm. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to build a big archive where, so I, I do quite a lot of work currently in, in healthcare. And, and one of the areas that they have is uh, one of their retention policies is, is the idea that they need to hold data for the life of a patient plus seven years. Well, that's a lot of storage. You know, if I'm going to hold that on premises all the time, if I'm going to hold that in my data center, that's a lot of disk or a lot of tape that I'm buying mm. and systems that I may or may not be able to easily access in the future. 
So one of the things that cloud's good at is this kind of limitless scale relatively cheaply. So maybe I want to take that data and put it in something like AWS Glacier and Amazon Glacier because it's tenths of pennies per gigabyte per month and, and it will just continue to scale. However, I don't want to do that if the move to doing that is so difficult that I can't necessarily integrate that in with what I'm, I'm currently doing. So right. my software system that holds those medical records, can I make that seamless enough that I'll always be able to recover that data mm. and understand some of the impact of recovering data from something like Glacier, you know, it may take some time, etc. With you. But to integrate that in, but it, it's an example of using it tactically. But what you need from a, a vendor point of view is for vendors to understand that there is requirements around that, particularly around things like storage. You know, can I utilize yeah. public cloud into my traditional on-premises storage solution? Can I integrate the two to add additional value to give gotcha. our customers the ability to scale scale and have flexibility and do things quickly that they couldn't necessarily do on-prem, do it relatively cheaply, cheaply. have flexible cost models, all, all of those kind of things. So so I think, you know, as a, in, in terms of that kind of shift to cloud and how that's affecting the channel, I think absolutely affecting partner vendor relationships because I think partly because it doesn't necessarily change how partners and customers are talking to each other, yeah, yeah. but what customers are asking for is different. And the, I think the partners need the vendors to be able to respond to that because if they can't, they're just going to find new vendors who can, Absolutely. I guess is the reality. And we would see that at the other end, you know, as a, as a partner, yeah. if our customers are coming to us for certain type of technologies, they'll be able to use cloud tactically in some way or another, and none of our vendors have recognized that and none of them have some kind of cloud integration offering. Either I'm going to need to change vendors or customers are going to change their partner absolutely. to somebody who can do what they need to. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so I think, yeah, absolutely um, covers covers both points, hopefully, in, in one not very succinct answer. Yeah, a, a clear message to vendors to get on board. Absolutely right. And listen yeah. to the customers. Absolutely makes sense. Yeah.